You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. Okay, well, I want to introduce to you our guest speaker this morning. Since I was traveling this past week, it seemed like a good time to invite Pastor Eric McEwen to preach for us this morning. Eric is the senior pastor of New Creation Family Church, formerly Pasadena Presbyterian Church in St. Pete. He is married to the love of his life, Kate, and they have two daughters, Grace and Hannah, who are all worshiping with us this morning. In 2008, while Eric was incarcerated, God graciously saved him, rescued him from a 15-year battle with addiction, and called him to preach the gospel. He went on to attend Palm Beach Atlantic University, where he received his BA in ministry and then his MDiv. Eric and I met a few months back through a mutual acquaintance at Covenant Academy, and since then we've discovered that we have much in common theologically and uh, as well very much in common when it comes to our ministry philosophies, especially related to family discipleship. And Eric and his elders at New Creation Family Church have recently decided that they feel led to partner with us in the EPC. So they will be taking that to their congregation very soon. So Faith Church, let's commit to pray for them as they take that before their congregation and uh, continue to go through this process, hopefully, of joining our denomination and being another one of those churches in that presbytery that I just talked about. So it's a joy to have Eric with us today sharing God's Word. Please join me in welcoming him. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. It's an honor to be here to preach God's word to this church. If you would turn in your Bibles to Psalms or your tablets or your phablets, whatever you have, uh, Psalm 93, this will be our main text that we're going to be reading out of today. And the title that I have entitled this, because this is what it says, is The Lord Reigns. The Lord Reigns. So let's get right into, well, first let's pray. Let us pray. Father, open our eyes. Open our hearts. God, comfort us with this doctrine of your sovereignty, of your kingship, that no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in our life, The reality is, is that you reign, that you are king, that you are sovereignly on your throne, you are ordering history according to your will, and you have your people's lives in the very palm of your hand. We pray that you would come bless us now by the power of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Psalm 93 declares this, the Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. And may God add his richest blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. If there's one thing that we can see in the world today is that there's a lot of madness in the world. 
Even today, there's war in the Middle East. There's all types of different cultural wars going on within our country. But what this psalm reminds the people of God of is that this should be our glasses, our vision on how we see every single circumstance and event in the world and in our lives. This is God's favorite doctrine, the sovereignty of God. And if you were God, it would be yours too. God is in control. This is the foundation of our faith. This is the Bible's world view. The Lord reigns, or we could say uh, the Lord is king. The Lord has ascended his throne. And within this text, I want us to see there's three movements that the psalmist gives us. The first movement, verses one and two, is Yahweh reigns. He is king. Verses three and four, but yet his reign is challenged by rebel humanity. And then the third, verse five, is that nevertheless, God's word, his promises are sure. You can take them to the bank. You can cash them every single time. So let's look at the first theme here in the psalm. Yahweh reigns. It starts out and it says very emphatically, the Lord reigns. This is a startling statement that has no qualifications. There's no if this happens, the Lord reigns. There's no because of this, the Lord reigns. He reigns. It's an absolute statement. No matter what's going on, no matter what the world looks like, no matter what's happening in Israel, no matter who's in Washington, D.C., the Lord reigns. There's seven words that I want us to go through that will help us understand God's sovereign reign, his kingship over all of human history and over all of life. The first is that God reigns alone. There is no such thing as luck. There is no such thing as karma or bad karma. And in ultimate sense, there's no such thing as an accident. Notice that it does not say that the Lord and man are reigning. That the Lord, man, and Satan are reigning. There is no such thing as a democracy. There is one government and it rules from heaven. There is a theocracy and God reigns over the affairs of men. The proverb says that the lot is cast into the lap, but yet its answer is from Yahweh. There are no conditions for his reign. This is an indicative statement. This is reality. God reigns alone. Second, God reigns continually. This verb reigns is in the perfect tense. And what that means is, is that God has reigned and God will continue to reign. There's no end to his reign. It is a fixed reality. There's no conditions for this. There's no circumstances that can or will change the fact that Yahweh reigns over the affairs of men. No matter what happens, God is continually reigning. 
It does not say that the Lord reigned in the Old Testament through David's dynasty. It does not say that the Lord will reign when Christ returns at the second coming. No, he alone now is currently reigning from on high. He is seated on his throne. When Jesus sent out the disciples, when he told them to go out and to make disciples of the nations, the basis of that command was that all authority in heaven and on earth was given to Jesus Christ. Jesus is not trying to get authority on the earth. Jesus is not trying to get authority in heaven. He has all authority right now, this minute, this moment, as we speak in this church. It doesn't matter if it's day or it's night, if you're young or you're old. It doesn't matter if you're healthy or you're sick. It doesn't matter if a Democrat runs the executive office or a Republican runs the executive office. It doesn't matter in life or in death. It doesn't matter if the economy is up or it's down. This is the eternally fixed reality of existence. The Lord reigns. Psalm 115.3 says this, Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. In Job 1.21, it says this, The Lord gives and takes away. That's a continuous action. The Lord is constantly giving and he's constantly taking away. He never stops reigning. Satan is not competing with God. He is not competing with Yahweh. He is a lackey for God. He is used as a pawn for God's eternal purposes. Number three, the Lord reigns diligently. He is the living act of God of human history. And history is under his control. One of the names of God in the Old Testament is the Lord of hosts. And what that means is, it means Yahweh of heaven's armies, or Yahweh who wages war, Yahweh who conquers. Our God is a conqueror. Our God is a warrior. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says that God works all things all things, not some things, all things according to the counsel of his will within the Trinity, within the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, God works all things according to the counsel of his will. He doesn't have a bad day. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't forget to take the trash out. He bats a thousand. When he goes up to bat, he hits a homer every time. If he shoots 23 pointers in a game, he's shooting 100 from the floor. Psalm 121 verse 4 says this, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That word behold, it's a demonstrative particle, and what it means is pay attention. Exclamation marks. Look at this. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He doesn't need a nap. He doesn't need a Red Bull. He doesn't need a monster. He doesn't need a caramel frap with a quad espresso. He doesn't get drunk and forget what he should do. He reigns and he needs nothing to reign but himself. He is diligence on steroids. Romans 8, 28 says this, God causes all things 
to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He diligently watches over your life, saints. Everything in your life is ordered by a sovereign God who sits on the throne and he reigns. Your life is in his hands. That should be a great comfort to all of us. Number four, he is reigning thoroughly. The Lord reigns. There's no limits or restrictions to his reign. There's no borders to his reign. There's no walls erected that he cannot conquer. In Daniel chapter 4, we see a pagan king lose his mind. King Nebi. I mean, I, you know King Nebi? King Nebi? I call him King Nebi. But he attempted to take the glory and the credit that God alone was due. And for seven years, God said, okay, you're going to live with animals. You're going to lose your mind. And he went, he went loco. He went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He was eating grass like a cow. This most powerful man in the entire world who built the kingdom of Babylon is out acting like an animal because he tried to usurp the authority of the Lord who reigns. And after it was all said and done, after the seven years of his insanity, this is what he came to reason. That the Lord's dominion is an everlasting dominion. All the inhabitants of the earth were accounted as nothing. He does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, where he wants, and how much he wants. And no one can stop or stay his hand. In Romans chapter 9, Paul is talking to his interlocutor, and he is asking this question because his, his interlocutor says this, well, well, if God is sovereign in salvation, if he chooses whom he wants, if he shows mercy to whom he wants, and he, and he, and he shows his justice, then, then who can resist his will? Then it's, it's God's fault if I don't believe. And Paul says this, who are you to answer to God. God reigns thoroughly over nations, over creation, over politics, over Satan, over you and I, over CNN, Fox News, Joe Biden, Donald Trump. God reigns. He doesn't need anybody's permission. There is no sphere outside of his sovereign reign. Not one sparrow falls to the ground without the Lord knowing about it. Every single hair on your head or lack thereof <laughs> is known by God. Our God reigns. He reigns for his glory and the good of his chosen people. Number five, he reigns majestically. It says the Lord reigns, he is clothed, or he, he is robed in majesty. He is robed in royal apparel. He is seated on his throne. He is dressed in royal attire with his scepter in his hand. And that scepter, Psalm 45, 6 and 7 tells us, his majesty is that he loves righteousness and justice and he hates wickedness. And what is wickedness? Well, wickedness is anything that would attempt to usurp his rule, his laws, or his creational order. He is the governor. Or as one movie would say, he's the governor. 
He's not a governor. He's the governor. Number six, he reigns powerfully. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength. Nothing nor nobody has ever given him strength. Notice it says he's clothed himself. He doesn't need to go to Marshalls or the Gap. He doesn't need to go to the mall and get clothing. He himself has clothed himself. Not only does the Lord decree and issue forth commands, but he himself has the ability to bring those commands to fruition. He doesn't need anybody to do anything for him. Nothing in all creation can resist his will. In Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus talked about the insanity of Satan, the adversary, the slanderer, in trying to usurp the authority of God. In Isaiah 14, it tells us, gives us a picture of this Lucifer, son of the morning, saying, I will ascend to the mount. I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. And Jesus says in Luke 10, 18, I was watching and saw Satan fall from heaven like a flash of light. He didn't have a chance in Hades to usurp the authority of the Almighty El Shaddai. And remember, any power that we possess here on earth, any power given to men or women, is delegated by the ultimate sovereign in the universe. The power that we have is granted to us. And if the Lord would want to take it, he could take it as he kicks Satan out of heaven like lightning. And number seven, he reigns without question. Listen to what it says here in verse one. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your hairspray won't destroy the ozone. Contrary to climate alarmness, plastic straws and cows passing gas will not destroy our planet. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> climate change, global freezing. That's back in the 70s, right? They said that we're all going to freeze to death. Global warming, which really all this is just recycled pagan earth worship. That's, that's what it is. There's nothing new under the sun. Your car's emissions, nuclear war, famine, overpopulation will not destroy the world. Why? Because it is established by Yahweh's reign. It's established absolutely. That, that word established is an absolute verb. It's done. It's over. It cannot be changed. It's nonsense to believe that the world could be moved in the light of the reality of Yahweh's reigning without question. Listen, Yahweh's reign is immutable. It's fixed. It's rigid. It's inflexible. It's unyielding. It's unbending. It's permanent. It's entrenched. It's constant. It's lasting. It's eternal. It's persistent. It's perpetual. It is abiding. It is an abiding, eternal, sovereign, immortal reign. It cannot ever end. But... Look at what the text tells us here. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. 
The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Humanity has went on a foolish endeavor. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, Paul talks about the descent of humanity into idolatry and foolishness, worshiping the creature rather than the creator. The first thing Paul talks about that humanity does is we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. In Genesis chapter 3, it goes back to the garden. It's, it's the age-old trick of the enemy. Did God really say? Did he really say? If you eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil, and people have scoffed at that, but that, there is so much significance to that. Will I get my knowledge of good and evil from Yahweh, my creator who loves me, or will I go eat from the tree and define good and evil myself? And that is where all the problems in the world has come from. Because my truth might be different than your truth. You see, Palestine's truth, Hamas's truth is different than Israel's truth, and they fight. Man is mad in his endeavor to think that he can usurp the authority of Almighty God. In the Psalter, Psalm 1 and 2 many theologians believe, is one psalm. It starts out in verse 1 of Psalm 1, blessed is the man, and then at the end of Psalm 2, it says, blessed are all. And so many theologians believe that's an inclusio, that's, it's, it's, it's one psalm. And so Psalm 1, you can't get into the Psalter without going through the gates of the Psalter, and Psalm 1 shows two ways to live. There's two outcomes in life. There isn't three or four, there's not ten there's two. Jesus would pick up on this when he said what? The way is narrow and the way is broad. Two ways. And when we look at Psalm 2 and we read it, what is God's response to man's rebellion? Psalm 2 says, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth, they set themselves up against the Lord and his anointed king saying, let us cast their cords away. And what is God's response to this rebellion, to this roaring of the seas? Well, he holds them in derision. That simply means he mocks them in laughter. He sneers at them. He taunts them. He ridicules them. He scorns them. He disrespects them because Yahweh is the most high. And for a creature to think that they could exalt themselves above their creator is the height of madness. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 11, it says that God has given Christ a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 21 says that he is seated, Christ is seated above all rule, authority, power, dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. It is the height of absurdity, foolishness, stupidity, arrogance. Pride and outright madness to think that any one of the Lord's creatures or creation might even begin to fathom usurping his sovereign reign. The waters, the floods, he created the waters, he created the floods. 
Once again, Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Our God reigns and man and all of his plans and all of his schemes is but a mere speck of dust. A drop of water in the ocean compared to God's ability to bring about his sovereign purposes. And number three, the third movement here is, but God's word is holy and God's word will always end in truth. Verse five, your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. God's word is the anvil that wears out every hammer of man's futile, rebellious plans. The, the, the French philosopher in the Enlightenment, Voltaire, he made this arrogant statement saying, in a hundred years, there won't even be anybody reading Bibles. They called it the age of reason, but it really was the age of non-reason. Because once you reject your creator, you are nothing more than a fool. And guess what happened to Voltaire's house after he died? A Bible publishing company bought it, and they produced Bibles in his house. Voltaire was wrong. You can take God's promises to the bank and they will never bounce. They cash each and every time. Read Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Those who trusted in Yahweh, they are the forerunners of the faith. They, they, they walked by faith, not by sight. That's what we're called to do. Walk by faith, not by sight. Faith in the eternal word of God. It says holiness befits your house. The holiness of God is his otherness, his, his holy otherness. He is not like us. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so his ways are far above our ways. Listen, when the sexual insanity of our current culture finally fades, it will, it'll fade. God's word will remain. When the generals of the new atheism like Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris are long gone, they're dead, and 99.9% .9 of humanity forgets all about them, God's word will still be the bestseller every single year. You see, the Lord reigns. He reigns alone. He reigns continually, he reigns diligently, he, he reigns thoroughly, he reigns majestically, he reigns powerfully, and he reigns without question. Fallen man has rebelled, yet that makes absolutely, positively no difference to God's sovereign reign. He mocks at humanity's pathetic attempt to usurp his authority. As an army of a thousand would come into a city and that city would be defended by one man with a plastic straw and a plastic shield. That is exactly how it looks like with humanity trying to rebel against their creator. The Lord reigns. This is the foundation that we as Christ's bride must stand on. We must pray that the Holy Spirit would empower us to believe this reality because it is reality. 
No matter who's the president, no matter who has the House of Congress, no matter whether the Supreme Court has nine jurors or 9,000 jurors, it does not matter for us, the redeemed of the Lord. Our God reigns. He is king. He has defeated death. He has ascended his throne. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. And what pleases our God? Well, what pleases our God is to clothe us with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, to justify his people, to die for his people, to adopt us into his family, to call us with a holy calling, to be witnesses in this world to his reign, his kingship, to give us his Holy Spirit, to empower us to change and transform ourselves, but also to transform culture and society through the amazing grace and love of this sovereign God that condescends to sinners like us. If we can but get a bit of this reality down within us, and I pray we can, by God's grace in our hearts, we would live radically different, we would think radically different, we would act radically different, we would talk radically different, and we would love radically different. May the Lord grant this church, may he grant our church, and may he grant every church universal to relax and rest in the fact that our God reigns no matter what our eyes see. Let us pray. Father, I pray right now that you would help us believe this. The flesh, the world, and the devil fights against this truth in our lives. But the fact of the matter is, this is reality. You reign. You are seated on your throne. You do as you please. You don't have a bad day. You're not surprised that there's war in the world. You're not surprised when, when a family member dies or when, or when we get a bad diagnosis at the doctors. It doesn't surprise you. You reign over it all. And your son said that, that you hold us in your hand and nobody can take us out of your hand that nothing, as the apostle said, can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing, not sickness, not war, not disease, not death itself. Lord, empower your people by the power of your Holy Spirit to believe this truth, to drink from this truth, to move in the power of this truth in our lives and in their lives. That we may impact Seminole, that we may impact St. Petersburg for your glory, for your name, for your great fame, that people would come to know you, that darkness would be turned to light, that death would be turned to life. Lord, anoint us afresh with your Holy Spirit today. Fill us afresh with the power of your Spirit to witness and to live radically different. We pray all this in the name that is above every name. In the name that reigns, Jesus, our Messiah, our Lord, our Savior, amen.